Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. And I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. Looking very much forward to today's program, we're going to be talking about the anointing by Mary of Jesus, and it is found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13, which is what we will be reading, but it is also found in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, and John chapter 12, verses 2 through 8. And the interesting thing is, while we will read Matthew's account, each one of the accounts adds something to the the total picture, and we will reference that as we go along. It says, um, Now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial, very expensive perfume, and, and she poured it on his head, and he was reclining at the table. The disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, Why this waste? For this perfume could have been sold for a high price, and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you bothering the woman? For she has done a good deed for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, What this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Only by looking at the three texts together are we really able to see the entire picture of what took place at this time. Of the three, it appears that John places it in its chronological order. We see the arrival in Bethany six days before the Passover and the anointing by Mary probably on Saturday night after the Sabbath had ended. Thus the beginning of Sunday, according to the Jewish method of keeping time, and then the triumphal entry into Jerusalem in the daylight hours of Sunday. Matthew and Mark seem to speak of it out of order, but as a partial explanation of the actions that Judas took. Having said that, we know for certain that Jesus entered into the home of Simon the leper, but just exactly who Simon the leper was, we do not know. Some have conjectured that he was the father of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Still others, that he was the husband of Martha. That he was not still a leper is the only thing that really is clear, for if he had still been a leper, he would not have been inviting people into his home. It appears most probable that he was a disciple of Jesus who had been a leper and had been healed by Jesus, And now the two households, his and the household of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, are joining together and showing this hospitality to Jesus. Admittedly, this is conjecture on my part. Martha is again spoken of as the one doing the serving. Remember from Luke chapter 10 that she was very concerned about the physical things necessary in hospitality. You might recall that it was said of her, Martha was cumbered about many serving or much serving. Here she is seen once more acting in the capacity of serving. Mary, 
who had sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word, is depicted as taking an alabaster box or crude of precious ointment, pure nard, breaking the crudes and pouring the ointment over the head of Jesus. She anointed his feet as well and wiped his feet with the hair of her head. John adds the beautiful detail, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Yeah, it's a great it's a great testimony to the perishable nature of stuff, you know, material possessions. Um, we look at this and go, "Wow!" It's kind of like the Pharisees. Well, look at how expensive this this was all. Just you, they just used it up. What what did they get from that? They just used it on his feet or to anoint him, and it, it just shows. It's kind of like the fine china, I guess, that you keep in the cabinet. Like, do we ever use that? Well, no, it's, it's really special. It's really valuable. It's, uh, you know, we, we, just don't, we don't want anything to happen. So we just keep them in the china cabinet. And you're like, well, what is it for? What is its purpose? Is there any greater function for this stuff to be just used up than to be used for Jesus? Jesus, new NIV says, she's done a beautiful thing for me. This stuff, this liquid, could not have been put to a greater purpose. And, of course, we know that uh, there was a, a, a stated reason and a real reason why, uh, they were, uh, why Judas was so upset about this. And John's account tells us that the reason he said this uh, that it should have been sold and given to the poor was not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put inside of it. Yeah, I, I love verse 13 because as as we've been going through this, the study of the life of Christ for the last um, few weeks now, we've been trying to go as chronologically as, as we can and as we're able to um, discern from the scriptures the verse thirteen is is true today that we're um, and will and will continue to be true that we're again studying the gospel um, and when the gospel is preached to the whole world what what Mary has done will also be told in memory of her it's 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 still seen today um, I think is a just a very very neat thing an encouraging thing um, that this this verse um, is is still being accomplished today just um, makes makes me quite happy and 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 amazes me. The alabaster cruise would have been a vessel in which the precious nard was shipped from the Far East. It would have been sealed to protect its contents, and the vessels themselves were often very delicate and very beautiful. Nard was a liquid perfume distilled from an odorous plant and mingled with oil. A pound or litre was a Greek measure of weight amounting to almost 12 ounces. Ross, you referred to the action of Judas and his character and his attitude. Matthew says the disciples had indignation, and Mark says some had indignation. But John makes it clear that Judas was the one who brought it up, and his motive was not concern for the pure. It is evident that Judas was successful in stirring up the others to indignation, over the perceived waste of this fine ointment, an ointment that could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But giving the money to the poor was not the motive behind Judas's objection. 
John says that Judas was the one who kept the bag containing the funds of the Lord and his apostles. Judas was the treasurer, so to speak, and he was a thief. The money could have been his for the taking. I'm not sure how much the ointment would have been worth today, but it was apparently a good bit of money at the time. You know, uh, Jacob read for us, starting in verse 6 of Matthew 26, but it, back in verse 2, right before this, Jesus took his disciples aside and said, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. No indication still that his disciples were on board or understood this, but I think really, really neat to notice that in Mark 14, uh, when Mary does this, uh, that the text points out in verse 8, she has done what she could, she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Wow. I mean, Mary gets it. She seems to have gotten it even before some of the disciples have come to understand this. This was not just an action to to show some uh, reverence or some uh, sense of importance. Uh, this was intended specifically to prepare for the burial. She's accepted the fact that Jesus has uh, promised to the to give his life for for men. Uh. Let's talk now about the entry into Jerusalem as we are very rapidly approaching the final days of our Lord here on this earth. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, we find the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It's also found in Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 44, and John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. I'll go ahead and read Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It was now the daylight hours of Sunday. Having left Bethany, Jesus began to make his way to Jerusalem. 
he approached Bethpage, the house of figs, which was evidently a small suburb on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives, very close to Bethany. To this village, or perhaps to another one very nearby, Jesus dispatched two of his disciples, which two we do not know. The instructions were clear. Jesus told them that when they got to the village, they would find an ass and a colt. Matthew is the only one who mentions the ass, tied. They were to untie the animals and bring them to him. And if anyone should ask him what they were doing, the owner who Luke wrote about did in fact ask, they were to say, the Lord has need of them. Matthew wrote, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell you the daughter of Zion, behold, the king comes unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. Thus, this was in fulfillment of Zechariah 9 and verse 9. Mark and Luke make it clear that Jesus actually rode upon the colt. This would be indicative of his great meekness. Um course we know that there's great significance to this from the quotation that Jesus uh, makes in verse 5 this is a, a quotation from Zechariah chapter 9 verse uh, 9 and 10 which says rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout O daughter of Jerusalem behold your king is coming to you he is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey a colt the full of a donkey and so this is something that should have uh, immediately signaled something about which the prophets had had spoken of over 500 years before and of course we would expect a king coming into his uh, his capital to be riding on a white horse uh, but the donkey signals his humility and the lowly stature and attitude uh, and uh, of course, you know that that a donkey itself is a is a is a burden bearer. You know it was intended to be loaded up and carry burdens. I think it's really interesting to think about how Jesus is the same. He performs the same function for for us that uh, he has borne our burdens and carried away our burdens from us. Um, it's interesting that this colt was one upon whom no man had sat. And I believe that that's significant. The fact that it had not yet been used by man fitted it for such a sacred purpose. You know, you think about Numbers chapter 19 and verse 2. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came a yoke. This certainly seems to have been a principle for it's repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 3. Having secured the animals in exactly the manner that Jesus had said they would, the disciples brought them to Jesus. Evidently, they did not know which animal Jesus would choose to ride, for they put their garments on both of them. This provided a place to sit and was also a sign of honor, 2 Kings 9 verse 13. These garments would have been the cloaks worn over the tunics or the shirts. Yeah, I, th I think even to that, the point of them putting the, the cloaks on these, the, the donkey and the colt, and also the crowd as they're going to spread their cloaks on the, on the road, 
um, is is ne- neither group understands the full picture of what they are what they are doing, but the the attitude that they both display is the service to Jesus was more important than the material things. Um, even I think the crowds certainly throwing them the cloaks on the ground, um, and as the you imagine as they're walking through, walking on the the cloaks there. I think it's just a, an amazing example of how they, at this point, perceive Jesus um, as worthy of praise, as worthy of doing this for him, and ultimately how in just a week's time, how quickly and rapidly the perception of Jesus to the, um, to the majority is going to be quickly changed. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we don't overlook this little, little bit of... Uh, evidence of the deity of Jesus here, uh, because uh, Greg, you mentioned that Luke's account is the one that specifies that someone did, in fact, ask about why they were loosing the donkey. And, you know, Jesus had said, if anyone says to you, why are you doing that? He probably could have just as well said, by the way, someone's going to ask you about that, uh, because Jesus says... uh, that when you explain that the Lord has need of it, then he will let you take it. Uh, and, you know, that's that, that's not just any man could say that. Um, we know that not all believed in Jesus. In fact, a remnant followed him. Most rejected. That's what Jesus taught. So to be able to say, it will be enough for this particular man to hear that it's for me that he will let you, Shows a great deal of uh, of the of the providence of God and the just the omniscience to be able to know what kind of man this would be that was asking. You know, as Jesus came over the summit of the Mount of Olives, a great multitude began to rejoice and to praise God. News spread that Jesus was coming. And many took palm branches and went to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom that comes, the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. The people were proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah and King. And Jesus accepted it. Even when the Pharisees complained to Jesus that he should rebuke his disciples for what they were saying, Jesus' response was, I tell you that if these shall hold their peace, the stones will cry out. A carpet of branches and garments were laid across the Lord's path. Many who had been with Jesus when he raised Lazarus were present as well, and they were giving testimony and increasing the excitement and fervor of the crowd. Hosanna is raising up to the heavens, meaning save, we pray. Originally a prayer, it was at this time a a phrase of praise and exhortation. Well, you think about it, what a thrilling time that had to be as Jesus comes in in such a humble method, yet received with such fanfare. And how quickly we'll find the people turning against him. And perhaps even some of those who shout out Hosanna will be shouting later, Crucify him, crucify him. If I could just put a pithy little exclamation point on this section. Jesus said, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And so, our takeaway is, if you 
are not praising Jesus and in and also declaring the blessedness of the king who has come then you are dumber than a rock <laughs> because Jesus said even the stones would cry out why because the stones are his creation of course this is a figure of speech that the stones would cry out but this the the creation of God um, is spoken of as it, almost not even being able to contain itself that uh, that uh, on such a momentous occasion uh, such as this is taking place that's going to have to do it as far as this episode is concerned we appreciate each and every one who's listening we now see Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem he will leave there one more time but he is entering into the final week of his life here on earth So we want to let you know how much we appreciate your listening and encourage you to tune in again.